Hey, what's up? You're listening to the podcast edition of The Cutting Room, the show where we talk to industry-leading marketing professionals about their content marketing philosophy, process, and pregame before they edit an article live. I am your host, Tommy Walker, and thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Margaret Jones, the head of content at Airtable. And in our conversation today, we discuss prioritizing requests, developing and scoring authors, and smart intake processes for internal stakeholders. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, so we're going to just jump right into it. Margaret, I would love to learn a little bit about your philosophy for content marketing. Uh, Specifically, what is the role that it can play within an organization and the impact that it can have on an entire business? Um, That's a great question. It's a big question. So I'm going to try and give you like a big answer to go with it, but not a long answer. The short answer is it's kind of the heart of everything. I think about our organization at Airtable. Um, which has grown insanely over the last year and a half. Um, There were five people in marketing when I joined, which people often are surprised by. We have 70 now. And basically every time... um, Did you say seven? Seven's wrong. It's wild. And like that that includes people in a lot of new functions to us, but it's a big team. Um, And basically every time we do anything, my team, the content team gets involved because... Uh, at least as we have content uh, set up, we are creating work that goes in our product, uh, webinars that we send specifically to customers, prospect pipeline driving content, awareness driving content, SEO content, YouTube, the blog, social. It's crazy. Um, basically, you can't do anything at Airtable in our marketing team without some kind of content because content is usually the offer that we're sending right it's the thing of value that we bring to the table so central like feels like it doesn't even describe it it's like the air that a marketing team breathes um Mm -hmm. and i think the big challenge for content teams like mine um and for maybe folks who are on this uh event is like how do you grow as a team right without adding a new content person or seven new content people every single time you're taking on a new program as a marketing team or you have a new goal or you're expanding to a new audience. Um, so the name of the game really becomes like, can you do really good work, really, really good work. I know I have really high standards and, and everyone at Airtable does. And I bet, I bet folks who are coming to a live edit also have really high standards. I don't know how, um, mm-hmm. but uh, how do you maintain those standards and also just like do more and more and more um, and do so super efficiently. So I don't know. Did that answer your question, Tommy? I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. And I, because we have a lot of in-house people who join the show, right? The whole idea is that um, we're able to look over people's shoulders because once you get to a certain point, your like your your accessibility for new learning kind of taps out. So that's why we do this, right? So I was part of a huge scaling organization when I was at Shopify, right? It was mm-hmm. it was massive. We saw incredible growth. I was employee fourteen and the first marketing hire, and then there were 300 employees by the time I left. Your function has grown significantly over the last year. I'd be curious, and you're looking at content with a capital C, right? Not just, oh, calling a blog content. It's it's one part of the entire thing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious. I'm curious to know, like, how have you been keeping up with the growth of the entire function and integrating yourselves within the entire organization as it's been growing? 
Yeah, gosh, we have had to do so much super boring process work. Um, like I would say people think of like the content team or like also creative teams as doing a bunch of really cool creative work. And yes, we do do that. I'm so proud of the work my team does. It is phenomenal. They all spend a lot of time on content operations. Um, so when it comes to keeping up with an org as it's growing, I would point to like our input process that we do. Um, right now we do them every half, but we're basically coming to all of our stakeholders and looking for key themes across the org, patterns and things that people are looking for, uh, requests for content, uh, discovering like what we might already have that they're looking for and we're not doing enough of a job to surface or that we could repurpose in a different format or share on a different channel. But like, it's all about pattern identification because you can't do everything. So like your question as an org grows, there's just going to be more programs, more needs, more asks, more requests. Um, so it really comes to like, all right, it's our job to say, what can we do that's going to serve multiple needs? What are the common needs across the org? Sometimes we get multiple requests from one team that are super similar and we realize like, oh, these like folks haven't had a conversation on that level. Now it's our job to come back to them and say, um, hey, you guys are all looking for something similar or like you're looking for something that you already created over on this other team. So often you can like act as that connector. Uh, so like process, 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 process. I happen to love content operations. That stuff is really fun for me, but like it really does you have to care about the how, like how things actually get done, I think, to like dig in and invest there. I totally 100% agree. And I think that process and uh, I'm huge on automation. You know this uh, about me, but like op operations is something that is highly undervalued. I think it's it's almost like the thing we don't talk about because it's the the thing that's on the tip of everybody's tongue, yeah. but don't necessarily know how to articulate. And actually, so Lucas has a question here. We can actually, we'll talk about that in a minute because he wants to know how we can effectively create a database of content in Airtable. Yeah, I've got lots yeah. of thoughts on that. I know you have lots of thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> and I'd love to dig into that when we start talking about process yeah. later. I know you've got some stuff you want to show there. So I think For sure. that'll yeah. be... That'll be good. There'll be a thread throughout where I'm really excited about how to use Airtable, but I'll just like say up front, like I'm excited about using Airtable because I'm able to put into practice things that I've learned over the course of my career. Um, and like, there are ways to do them without using Airtable. It just makes things a lot easier. So like, I hope people don't feel like I'm, I'm being pushy with my product. I just love it so much. I am completely I bullish on Airtable. <laughs> totally bullish on Airtable. Yeah. Anybody like we're becoming synonymous now. I'm like yeah. totally. I'm, I'm I fanboy out over you're you guys. Just, you're um, just converging with us. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so here's here's the question, right? And this starts to go into the process side of things. You're part of this growing organization. Uh, there are a lot more inputs that start coming around. Everybody, as soon as the publication and the content starts to get a little bit more traction, everybody wants a piece. I would love to learn a little bit more about your process for handling that type of input, what that does with the creative development side, mm -hmm. and then we'll kind of transition into the pregame stuff before we get right into the live edit. Yeah, um, I really want to answer your question, so tell me if I haven't answered it correctly. Um, do you want to know more about the input process itself? Is that most yeah. interesting? Um, okay. Yeah. We get super nitty gritty and folks can just like leave a little yawn emoji in the chat if it's too much. Um, 
So here's what I do. I send, I create a form in Airtable. You can create a form in other places. You don't even need a form. I like a form for a reason I'll get to briefly. Um, but I create a form in Airtable. I'm very um, thoughtful about the questions that I ask my input givers. You always want to ask yourself, how prescriptive should I be in my question? So I'll give you an example. If I say to um, all of my input, like my key stakeholders in sales, hey, what content should we create? Um, I'm going to get ideas across the board. And maybe that's what I want. Maybe I'm like in a zone where I just like need creativity and brainstorming and sort of have lots of things flying. But maybe I kind of have a list of 10 things already. And I, what I really want is like a vote. Um, or I want mm -hmm. to be able to consolidate answers across a bunch of different teams. Or even I want to kind of limit the way some of my stakeholders are thinking about what my team does. Because maybe in the past they've been confused about what we actually like own and can create. So in a case like that, I'm going to create like fields within my form that are um, select. I'm not going to give people like as much room. Um, I still think it's a best practice to give people a like something else, fill in the blank moment. But if you're prescriptive about topics, that can be a good place to start to like identify patterns and corral your answers. Um, so at this point, I think we have 10 different sort of teams who we go to with our form. Um, we ask them for... Um, there are key initiatives, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. the team will be like, well, we're really focused on this, but it has nothing to do with you. And I'm like, oh, but it does. It does have to do with me. I have to know what you're right. <laughs> working on. So I'm like, please give me your key initiatives, right? Um, the second piece I ask them for is like, what do you think we like need to do? Like, what are the topics? What are the themes? Like, what are the um, most important messages that we can get across? So again, like neither of those questions are asking people to like, tell me what content to create, right? I'm like, I'm thinking about this big picture. My team wants to look at inputs across the board to like keep me zoned out in this moment. And only then once they've asked those questions, once they've answered those questions, they say, do you have specific support you need from my team this quarter? And like, please be as detailed as possible. Again, the way that's phrased is different than like, here's your opportunity to like solidify a request. Um, this is just a moment for you to like explain what it is you need and it will come back to you, right? So I get all of those. Anyone who works in a big company, if you're in a small company, knows there's like a hundred slacks that go into like actually getting someone to fill this out. Great time to use your automations if you have those. So I'm just like pinging people every day until they fill out the form. Annoying, yes. Effective, also yes. I get my inputs back. Now, because I have them in a form, I'm able to look at them all in one, uh, in this case, in our Google base. But it, it would work in a spreadsheet, not as cool, but you could do it that way. Um, you just want a chance to look at patterns and see how they emerge, right? And see where things are duplicate. And then from there, I meet with my teammates and we sit down and like, um, this is the moment where leads on my team and we're kind of divided into three different pods on the content team today, um, which are like education, enterprise, and um, end user or like creator focused content. Um, so those folks come in and they've looked at all the inputs, and now they say, here's what I think we should do. And I ask them to, like, it's not just about, like, hey, what do you think you should do in your pod? It's, like, you've seen the patterns here. Like, what do you think your partners should do? What do you think we should all do here? What themes are emerging? Um, so we have a big session together where everyone is kind of proposing what they think each team should work on. Um, and it's it's usually pretty clear by this point. It sort of reminds me of, like, when you give, like, a quarterly review to someone there's usually not, or if you do it right, you should kind of already know all this stuff, right? Like you don't get like surprised in your review by some like really out from left field feedback. And in the same way, like 
if you're doing a good job picking up with your partners, you've heard all of this stuff before on some level, this is just your chance to look at it all together. Um, so we have that conversation. Again, like the patterns are usually pretty clear. Sometimes there are some things out of left field. Sometimes there's some ideas that were like, oh, that's phenomenal. Like you absolutely have to do that. Sometimes to my earlier comment, there's things that were like, oh, we already did that. Well, that's on us if they don't know that already exists, right? <laughs> like right. that's not, it's not like they need to be more attentive. It's like, we need to be more proactive about surfacing the content we create or else why are we creating it? So that's like always good feedback. And then from there, we like kind of crank out our requirements. And we're basically always at some stage in that process. Like it's a, it's ongoing. The content my team works on has anything from like a day lead time to like a three month lead time. So we've gotten lots of different kinds of workflows and work back schedules. Um, and because of that, we need to be like really on top of it, get ahead of things as far as possible. We've got creative partners we have to work with, web dev partners we have to work with, campaign partners we have to work with. And I really, you know, the most important important part of our job um, on the operations end is creating predictability in what we deliver, right? So being super clear with our stakeholders about what we are producing, when it's coming, here's the date, here's where you can check it out in the calendar. Um, and like, you will know the status at every single moment. So like, that's like, you know, so much of our job is around that like planning and then communicating our plans. We're actually like, in the phase right now where we're like on a road show with the company, here's what we're planning for each one. I love that. I love that. And uh, there's something that you said kind of early on about not being prescriptive. And this is something I made a mistake with early on in my career where I'm like, what blog post do you want? Right. And like, nine oh, times out of 10, yeah. because these people aren't in content, they don't know what blog posts they want. That's a good point. Like it gives you the opportunity to show that you are thinking about this stuff on a strategic level, which anyone who mm -hmm. works in content is like, oh my God, people think I just like fulfill orders. I just make a blog post. But like right. everyone's really thoughtful about what they're producing. And to your point, like being prescriptive allows you to like get some of that perspective in front of people first. Little, if I were to put things into a tweetable, right? Something like little catchy <laughs> and pithy, it's... It's, I'm a chef, not a short order cook. And, yeah, totally. you know, but the, but the idea is, is like, as a, as an in-house person and you're working with multiple folks, you're also, it's kind of on you to make sure that you're getting in front of people and to claim that ownership. And one of the things I, I like that you said, like what you're talking about here is you're creating a regular feedback cycle. Now, yeah. From an operations perspective, something that I used to do was actually, um, and you guys can do this in platform, which is great. I used to use Zapier to do this, but schedule a recurring message that would go up in, say, Slack, where once a month it would go to our specific teams and say, hey, here's our intake form. Let us know some of the things that you're doing or, or some of the things yeah, that you'd yeah. like so That's we can get on the same page. Yeah. Um, early on. Yeah, so. we do like a we do a weekly digest of upcoming yep. content. So we use that's like an automation that's just triggered off of our content calendar. So it rolls up all of the content we published the week before, and then it gives you a preview of the week coming. And we send that to mostly marketing leadership, but like other interested parties. Mm -hmm. um, we do have one content shipping meeting every week where we sort of like meet with folks who are more in the tactical shipping moment with us. And then we every month do a performance staff to share like results and like all of the deliverables from the previous month. So we're just kind of like constantly beating this drum. It's so wonderful. I love it. I love the operation side of things so much because it, you get those inputs from other people, but then you also have that level of distribution 
that everybody can see. And it's like, you're, if, if you're running content, you're the most frequently published voice of the company. So it's mm -hmm. really important that you're getting those inputs and giving that visibility to the rest of the team. It's a push and pull. Yeah, um, sure. Okay. So I would love to, uh, Lucas has asked, uh, how can he effectively create a database of contents in Airtable? Mm -hmm. And please only push Airtable. <laughs> he says, <laughs> I'm here to learn Airtable and not Google Sheets. Um, yeah, Lucas, if you want to jump into some more, if, if you want to jump into more detail on that, that's great. Um, Margaret, I know that you have some process stuff that you want to show with Airtable. So I would love yeah, to dig into I'm like this. I have a problem. Um, I am going to share my screen. Um, Lucas, I think like creating a content calendar in Airtable is such a great topic. Um, I've made a lot of content calendars in my life and I will be the first to say, uh, the first time I made a content calendar in Airtable, I got so frustrated and was like, this is not working. This is not doing what I wanted to do. Um, and I really, and part of that was like, I came from a um, super like spreadsheet based way of thinking. And then when I got into Airtable, I was like, looks like a spreadsheet, but not operating exactly like a spreadsheet. Now it is my favorite thing in the world. I'm going to share, I'm going to share my screen here and um, talk to you about... Um, a couple of different things. I'm gonna I'm gonna like show off a couple of things in your table that I love. Um, one is yes, do. Okay, you guys can see my screen. Okay. Not, um, not quite yet. Hold on, I'll get you. There we go. I see it coming. I see it coming. We're good. You're Close. you're full screen. Okay. Boom. So um, I love forms in Airtable. I love them because they populate databases. Um, so I have like a special base and you can see from this lightning bolt that it's syncing to another table. Um, this is syncing to like a team base that everyone uses, but like, I like to just have my own little world. That's how I roll. This is also just like a safe place for me to get rid of an air table. Um, anyhow, <laughs> uh, so, so anything that happens in this form populates my daily to do's, which most people on my team have access to. So I'll start by saying like, this is my number one pain point as a uh, like editor and reviewer is like getting the information that I need up front before I review something. Um, people are going to laugh at this, but um, we use Google Docs at Airtable. I love Google Docs. Access to them is like the biggest nightmare in my life. So um, if somebody puts a link in here to a Google Doc, so if they're like something, 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 that's that Google. It automatically is like, did you share the file to Margaret? Because I get so annoyed when things are not shared with me. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so I have people fill out their email address that works back to an automation, which we'll get into the name of their project. Obviously, when they need something reviewed by that they share the Google Doc um, or if they have an attachment. And then like, this is really key for me, finding out what kind of review uh, people want. I find this to be especially useful when I'm working with people who are not like in and out of content every day. Oh, this is kind of small. Um, so like somebody who's sort of new to the content or the review process might just be like, I don't know, I need you to edit it or I need you to review it. I don't really know what that means. Like just look at my piece. Um, so this is my chance to say like, hey, like do you need a developmental edit? Like, do you want feedback on like structure, or, like overall quality or whether this is getting the job done? Um, or are you just looking for a copy edit? You know, you're just like, tell me grammar, tell me spelling. Um, do you need a proofread? Um, or do you just want no comments? You just want me to approve this, right? Like 
tell me what you were after before I dive in. Mm. Um, and then I also give people the opportunity to like indicate what stage the project is in, which is another way of asking a similar question. But like, sometimes people are like, um, I think this needs a lot of work. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great. Like, I know that I'm going to like go hard on this edit or I'm going to tell them they're wrong, that it doesn't need a lot of work. Um, and sometimes people are like, I think this is almost done. And so now when I'm going into it, if I read it and I think this is not almost done, I know how to approach that conversation. Like, Hey, I know you've done a lot of work on this. I, I can see why you would feel like it's almost done. I think we just need to like pivot on a few moments in here. Um, so like, this kind of sets us up for like an empathetic editing job. Um, and again, all of this is populated directly into my to-do list. I'm like really scared to show it because um, I'll be honest, there's a lot of things that aren't done in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these are my daily to-do. So those are coming straight out of this review form that everyone on my team has. Um, I will also show you, this is what a content calendar looks like in Airtable for my team. There's so many ways to make like amazing content calendars. Um, this one is very specific to my team and what we do. You can see we have so many different views. So like one of the pods uses it for like their individual assignments. Um, I usually look at this full content calendar base. Um, sometimes like this is our content shipping. I mentioned that we do like a, a week backward and a week forward at all of our check-ins. But this is all the same data. We're just rearranging it in lots of different ways. Um, and as you can see, this base is absolutely bonkers. Shout out to Hallie on my team who built this incredible base. But we use this for everything from our OKRs. So we're actually tracking all of our results in here um, to our like uh, the key objectives those link to. We've got the PR calendar synced in here so we can make sure that we're like in lockstep with them. It's kind of, and we also do our meeting agendas in here. It's kind of a bonkers space. Um, but the point being like, this here, like this is kind of, this is kind of the gold is having a calendar like this. Um, because every single one of these things, I can click right into it and get all of this information, see any changes, see any comments, um, get like the full, anyone who works in content, you're like, there's so much metadata. There's so many things to like link and keep in mind. So I can have all that here, but I can also just like, okay, let's take a breath and just like see where this is. Um, and as with most calendars today, like obviously you can move things around. So wonderful. Um, these colors are actually showing us uh, production status. So I want things to be green or blue. Um, that means done or published in our world. Um, you can kind of you can kind of see how this like uh, appeal any operations dorks out there. Like this is so delicious. I love it so much. I am in awe of this right now and want to ask if you have like a templated view only version of this base. <laughs> we do have a content calendar because this base is like, and again, I will shout it's out to Alan. I can take no credit for this amazing base other than the fact that I use it. But like, there's so many things in here that are specific to our team, um, which I think anyone who like loves Airtable has found that like, once you get building, like, I'll just show you guys, look at all these automations we have. We automate so many things uh, all the time. So much work that we do is automated. Uh, you'll just find that like you have so many things you want to do. So many ideas you want to put forth. Um, okay, so we're going to get into the pregame in just a moment here because we have about five minutes before we get into the live edit. But we do have a question from Adam. Curious to hear how you Ooh, decide yeah. how to prioritize the requests okay. sent in. I love yes. that. I love this. Um, okay, so like one way we do this is we 
as I said before, we kind of limit how many requests we're going to get. So I've worked on content teams where like you're basically, and again, like no offense to short order cooks for, you know, like if, if you're like, we do, we make some like eggs and bacon for people. It's totally fine. Um, you need I, don't, it. I don't mind doing it. Um, but it's not like the, it's not the bulk of the work my team is doing. Um, we're just, uh, we're just like operating in like a slightly more holistic way. And again, because we tend to have these longer lead times, it's not really possible for us to like react super fast to requests. Um, with that being said, like we try to kind of get most of the request requests, like the, like, I need this, like, okay, I'm a product marketer. I'm a campaign manager. I need this piece of content in order to get my job done. Um, we try and like shift that conversation to, I need to accomplish X, Y, Z things. I have this problem I need to solve content team. What's the best way to solve this problem? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that like, uh, our product marketing team, like we love that relationship with them because they really get it. But like, they'll come to us and they'll say, Hey, we've noticed that like this, there's like a gap in our customers learning that we want mm -hmm. to fix. And like, we think that maybe we should approach it through like one of our guides, or maybe we should do a webinar, but like, we're coming to you and we're saying like, help us solve this problem about this gap in our customer's knowledge. And then we consider our job to say like, yep, we see it. I get you. Um, I don't think the webinar is the right thing. Um, and my team really owns content performance. So we really have a leg to stand on when we say like, hey, for that audience, like, I don't think you're going to get the attendance you're looking for. Um, or I don't think you're going to get the engagement you're looking for. It's our job to like surface those kinds of metrics, right? So mm -hmm. um, that can just like, I would start by just like kind of asking how you can do a little bit of change management away from request and into like group consultation, which is harder, but I think like worth it in the long run. You had mentioned okay. too, like just a moment ago that you your team was doing a roadshow across yeah. the organization. And I think that is absolutely brilliant because I know a lot of content teams will live in isolation and can actually have like sometimes an adversarial relationship with product marketing teams because there isn't that level of visibility or that sort of consultative um, relationship that you've built there. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think that's important is when you start to build those relationships, that prioritization works out a little bit, you know, a little bit more yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of what we're road showing is less like here are the 25 pieces of content each person is creating. Um, so mm -hmm. much of what we're road showing is like, these are our priorities, right? Um, and we got these from you. Like you filled out the input form. You told us where you were going to focus. We saw this pattern. Here's how we're going to prioritize our work. So like to Adam's right question, that's how you prioritize requests, right? Is like you get buy-in on your prioritization system. You say, this is the number one thing. This is the number two thing. This is the number three thing. Anything else outside of those three things is going to be a maybe. Right, it's going to really depend on our capacity. We're committed to these three in this order. Um, so then, when you get a request, you still have wiggle room. Like sometimes someone comes in with a random request, and you're like, "That is so good. Why didn't we do that?" Like, thank you so much. You always want to like keep the door open in that way. But again, you want to reframe it as like, "Send us your ideas." Right? Like we're always open to your ideas. But let's get aligned on what's most important for our team, most important for our organization. So we're all on the same page when you're asking why did this get done and this didn't get done. I love it. I love it. That's like yeah. 
the most thoughtful answer I've ever heard to something like that. I know once upon a time I had said like, you know, I've got four slots every month for a product marketing piece. That's how my calendar is structured. And you guys are going to have to Game of Thrones it out. Like there's always some of that, right? Like you ter- terrible approach though. That's always part of what you're up to. But I think like you'll get more out of your content team or your content team of one yourself if you approach it in this like align on priorities first oriented yeah. way. Yeah, and laddered up to the company priorities. Um, yeah, exactly. always, even as exactly. they're shifting, especially if you're doing it on a quarterly basis. All right, so we've learned a lot about. Uh, philosophy and we've learned a lot about process and there's actually a lot of pregame that's gone into that too i would love to jump straight into the piece and we'll start uh talking about that and that's it for the podcast edition of the cutting room if you'd like to watch while margaret edits live click on the link in the show notes and you'll be brought directly to the edit on our youtube channel if you'd like to attend the next live session sign up for our email list at thecontentstudio.com forward slash the cutting room or by following the link in the show notes Thank you again, and we'll see you in the next one.